Food is fuel for your body, your mind, and definitely your sport. But let's face it, nutrition is confusing and the expectations on girls and women to be thin and have a six pack are exhausting. If you've ever been frustrated with your body, confused about nutrition, obsessed with eating healthy or guilty when you don't, underate, overate, or overtrained and overwhelmed with all the pressure, then this podcast is for you. Nutrition can be easy. You can take control of it, but it might start with letting go of control by asking for help and making a change. I'm Lindsay Elizabeth Cortez, sports dietitian and owner of Rise Up Nutrition, where I empower female athletes to overcome nutrition concerns and perform at their highest level, to stop being confused by all the mixed or harmful messages, and finally have confidence in your body as a fierce, fit, and fueled female athlete. Today's episode is thanks to our Patreon members and our affiliates and partners. Head to patreon.com slash female athlete nutrition to join our membership or donate to the podcast and stay tuned to hear about some amazing deals and discounts from our partners, including Prevenix, Inside Tracker, Orgain, Practice Better, and Jen and Carrie. But for now, we're getting right to the show. Enjoy. All right, fans and listeners, super excited. Some of my favorite episodes that we do on this podcast are when I have our clients of Rise Up Nutrition be willing to share their story, their journey, and kind of like a testimonial episode of working together. I just think it's so powerful to hear real stories, not just from a dietitian, but like a real athlete, a real female athlete. So, so excited to have Camille joining us. She just graduated the Female Athlete System of Transformation. She worked with us all summer. We actually had a little bit of a, well, in my opinion, a rocky start because we started working together right when I had Levi. And so actually in the beginning of the program, Camille really focused heavily on or relied heavily on on Jenna as her dietitian and not me. And then I was able to kind of jump back in and help her out a little bit. But we'll get to all that later. Camille, thank you so much for being willing to do this podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm actually really excited about this. I know you're smiling like ear to ear. (laughs) Did you ever imagine you would be so excited to talk about like something that can be so personal sometimes? No, not at all. I originally listened to some of your podcasts and I was like, these people are so lucky. They get to talk with a dietitian and get all their information and their viewpoints and wisdom out on the internet with Lindsay. And I was like, I want to be one of them. I want to do it. And now I am. And now you are. Yes. You know, I do have to say that is one thing in our program and also just in my, in my life that can be such a a good motivator when you, I I by no means want to say like, oh, compare yourself to other people. But when you find somebody that you're like, I kind of want to be like that, you know, like I I want to have my day that I'm on the podcast. I want to have my day that I'm on the other side of this sharing my wisdom, like, That's why we call this the female athlete system of transformation, because we're not just trying to help you improve your nutrition. We're trying to help you transform into the person you want to become. So you listened to episodes months ago and you were like, someday I want to be that person. And now here you are. Yes. Yeah. So let's share with listeners a little more background about you and kind of where you were before coming to Rise Up Nutrition. You are a collegiate gymnast. You're entering your sophomore year. So when you and I first chatted last spring, you were just finishing your freshman year of college and your first year competing at the collegiate level, obviously, of gymnastics. And nutrition had been a little bit of a struggle since the previous year and the previous summer. So share a little bit with our listeners about what your struggles with nutrition were and motivation for reaching out to Rise Up. Well, I went to an outpatient facility for about two months and I left them AMA to go to school. I was like, I'm done with this. I feel ready. I feel healed. But I wasn't. And as soon as I got to school, I realized that no one was there watching me. No one knew if I ate this meal. No one knew if I skipped dessert. So it was all on me to make sure that I get better. Mm -hmm. And towards the end of the year, the season wasn't going as well as I had hoped. And... I started getting really depressed and my eating decreased drastically. 
I was still counting calories, weighing myself a lot, pushing myself extra hard in gymnastics, thinking it'll get me better, but it wasn't. And eventually, I knew it was time that I couldn't do it anymore. And my mom helped me find Lindsay. Yeah, your mom got in contact with me first before you. So she was actively part of this process for you and seeking help. You know, she obviously knew you were struggling. She was part of getting you into the program last summer as well. Curious if you could share a little bit more about like the benefits. Like, of course, you left the program and you felt last summer, you felt like, okay, I'm ready to, to go. What were some of the benefits of that program? Because it's a very different style and approach than what we had. But for people who, and how many hours did you do? Was it outpatient, intensive? Like, can you share more about that? It was an outpatient, intensive pro- program. I was there for 35 hours a week. I think the benefits were mainly, I knew I wasn't alone. I was with these mainly girls for 35 hours a week, sharing our secrets, our traumas, healing together, eating together, doing everything. And for the first time in my disordered eating lifetime, I was like, I am not alone. There's so many other people who feel the same way as me. Yeah, that's so powerful. And I think really jumping into something like that, dedicating 35 hours a week, you learn a lot fast, right? You get a lot of support very fast. But just as you already expressed, well, you can't live your whole life like that. You can't live in a treatment center, do intensive 35 hours a week. Like there's a time when you need to move on. You needed to get back to school, to your friends, to your team, to practices. But when you did... And you didn't have that support around you all the time. And you were back in an environment that other people didn't understand it the same. Then you felt very isolated once again. Also, they engaged in disordered behaviors without realizing any of it. I still see calories on menus. And all of it is still a little bit triggering to me. Mm -hmm. But back then in the fall, it could have sent me down into a spiral. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think that's where I never, because of the space of eating disorders and disordered eating, there's such a wide range of what that can look like, what that can be. And I definitely want to be clear with people, like there's a time and a place for a treatment center. But I think our benefit when you were ready to come to Rise Up Nutrition, it's because, okay, you had been there, done that, learned a lot. It was helpful. Your new struggle was, how do I live my life? How do I be around go to a restaurant with the calories listed? How do I be on a team where perfectionism is part of the sport? Be, how do I be in college and hold myself accountable when I, when I am isolated or feel alone? You needed that help. And I think that's where, correct me if I'm wrong, but our program, you know, it is virtual. We're not holding you accountable watching you eat every single meal. But our goal is to help you learn the skills to hold yourself accountable. So that when you're back in that environment, you actually can do it. Do you agree with that? Yes, most definitely. Yeah. And so you, again, you joined us at the end of your freshman year and then going right into summer. So right now you're at the point where you just arrived back at school. So how do you feel going into this school year knowing, okay, I might, you know, just I don't think you're going to be isolated. You're not isolated. But just knowing you're in this environment again that that brought you down a, a downhill path last year, how do you feel going into it now? I feel so much more confident in my abilities to continue my fueling, especially because you and Jenna gave me some meal pl- meal plan ideas, breakfast ideas, so I don't have to go to the dining hall. And I have a fridge full of food right now. So even if I'm hungry in the middle of the night, I can eat something, which is something that never crossed my mind last year. Yeah. I think really you didn't even give yourself the option, right? And ah, this is one of those like the chicken or the egg type things. Like, cause then once you started to get depressed, it's so much harder to motivate yourself to go to the grocery store. Like you don't have the energy or mental desire to even do that. But then, then you didn't have food in your dorm, in your fridge, and then you didn't eat. And then that spiraled the depression, you know, it was just such a negative cycle that you were in. And it just gets to the point where it's like, how do we stop this? Right? Yes. When we started working together, you know, we are not clinically trained therapists or psychologists. So, 
you know, when we took you on as a client and you mentioned, you know, depression and things like that, what do you think was the most helpful part of our program to help you get out of that negative cycle? I think the most helpful part was the learning modules Hmm. because it gave me something to do with my day instead of just being laying in bed. So even when I didn't want to get up, I would grab my phone, I would listen to a little video and it would start my day. I'd be like, okay, so Lindsay did this. She has a bunch of other clients that did the exact same thing. I can do this. And that made me get up, brush my teeth, go get breakfast. And it started my day off perfectly. I love that. Yeah. You know, we do in this program, we have 12 weeks worth of modules, videos to watch, little homework assignments to do on your own time. I call them homeworks, not graded, but you know, yeah, I think there's two approaches. Some people see it as, oh my gosh, I have things to do and that overwhelms their to-do list. But in your case, it was no, this is how, this is something for me to do to stay motivated to take a step forward. And that's what it's meant. Like I call them homework assignments. Like I'm not grading you, but this is all here to help you, you know? So if you're not going to do the modules, well, you might not, you know, get the information or learn or be challenged. And so next week, did anything change? Are you in the exact same place that you were a week ago? And so I'm so proud of you for recognizing that. And I love how you said you started your day that way, started your day with a video or a module to kind of set you up for success and be in that positive forward fueling mindset. Yeah. Okay. Also thinking back to you were in a place where, you know, you weren't holding yourself accountable. There was some depression, just skipping meals, not eating. And that's why your mom, you know, took it upon herself as many mothers do to say, I need to get my daughter help. So she was the one who had a couple conversations with me. And I think when you first even learned about the program, like you were like interested, but still not totally on board, right? No, I was so hesitant. Yeah. Because I'd already gone to what I thought was supposed to be a more helpful program than yours. Mm -hmm. And I was like, it didn't work that well. Why would this one work? Yeah. So why did it? (laughs) It's a fair question. (laughs) I think I just leaned into the fact of being uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. It's look, nobody wants to be in this situation. You know, you don't want to be in the situation, but you have to make that choice for yourself that I want to get out of it. And so, yeah, it sucks. You know, you already did something. It didn't work that well, but it's like, so you're going to give up or you're going to try something else again. And I definitely think, you know, it, it having Jenna and myself in, in this type of environment, we really value our relationships with the curls. I know I had a bond with you right away just because I absolutely love the sport of gymnastics. You know, certainly don't participate anymore. But I was like, oh, Camille, my gymnast, you know, like it was just so excited to work with you. And so I think that in my opinion, that really helps that Jenna and I feel a personal bond to each and every one of our clients. You know, we call it a program, but okay, there's things to do. There's these modules, blah, blah, blah. But we're really here for you. We don't want you to be in this situation either. So if you're willing to trust in us and get a little uncomfortable, then we're going to give, you know, everything we've got into you as well to help you get to a place where you are more comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. I believe the relationships were a big part of healing my journey with food. Absolutely. So another really interesting thing in your journey, Camille, and this has actually happened with quite a few of our clients. We had a recent testimonial on the podcast from one of our clients, Taylor, who's studying nutrition. And so are you. So it's not every, not every one of our clients is a nutrition major, but it does happen. And it's funny that I think my two client testimonials kind of back to back here are both studying dietetics. Question for you to share to the audience is, did you choose dietetics sort of because of your disordered relationship with food? Did it heighten when you started studying it? Was it always there underlying? Like, where did your interest in studying it kind of overlap with the disordered eating piece? I definitely chose to be a dietetics major when I was still struggling with disordered eating because I wanted to know more about why, why I was doing what I was doing or if there was a cure for what I was doing. And I haven't really gotten to the more specific food parts of my degree, but I have gotten to this one class. It's called Dietetics as a Profession. Mm -hmm. 
And I thought it was amazing. You can do so many things with this degree other than being just a regular registered dietitian. Be a sports dietitian. You can go in the military, which I did not know you could do that. Mm-hmm. And of course, work in hospitals. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I, I think I chose it because I wanted, I wanted to know more about myself, but now I'm doing it because I want to help others. Hey fans, I hope you are enjoying this conversation so far and we'll be back to it in just a moment. But first, I want to pause and let you know that this episode is brought to you by the Female Athlete System of Transformation, aka the fast track to overcome disordered eating and use food as fuel to perform at your highest level. The Female Athlete System of Transformation is my unique program and proven systems to guide female athletes to understanding and implementing the proper nutrition for their sport, life, and health. Myself and my team of registered sports dietitians work one-on-one with clients to address their unique needs and counsel them through the nutritional and behavioral changes needed. Many female athletes who resonate with disordered eating, mental guilt around food and body, relative energy deficiency in sport or female athlete triad, amenorrhea, repeat injuries due to negligent nutrition, or frankly, just a lack of knowledge and understanding on their fueling needs have seen incredible success in the fast track. After years of working as a sports RD, I've compiled the most effective ways for female athletes to learn nutrition, be supported, be challenged, and ultimately find their success with fueling as fast as possible. So don't wait another day. Get to your goals faster by joining the Female Athlete System of Transformation. Look in the show notes or head to the website to book a free call and learn more. Okay, now let's get you back to the conversation. Enjoy. Oh, wow. I just had like a little light bulb moment. I do think that a lot of people get into the nutrition profession because of that personal interest in nutrition. I want to be healthy. I like food. I want to eat. I want to solve my own problems. But it really is a profession that you need to want to help other people. It's not about you. It is about helping other people. So that absolutely has to be there. And helping people with a variety of concerns like you know Camille if someday you do work in the space of athletes or disordered eating wonderful because you have that personal experience but there are people with lots of nutritional needs that need the help of a dietitian that might have nothing to do with disordered eating might have nothing to do with sports and you know being open to that is just so so important because if we only go into a degree with like a I only want to work with athletes and disordered eating, because that's my story, you're really, frankly, going to limit yourself to all the other people that need your help. Obviously, I work in that space. I'm a big fan of it and would support other people getting into it, but also want to support like keeping what you just said of like, I want to help other people. And that's huge. Thank you. Yeah. So yeah, you'll get into it, you know, more in your junior, senior year, the more specific classes, which is another reason that I do love working with clients who are studying nutrition, because I think this foundation of what we did together will help you as you get into medical nutrition therapy class and you get into talking about weight loss or diabetes or something like that, that now you can take that approach of this is not about me. I don't need to take the weight loss class information, apply it to myself. I need to take this information and see how it could benefit potentially other people who might need it, right? It's about helping other people. Yes. Yeah. So cool. So we'll see as you progress. You're just heading into the the degree here, sophomore year and beyond, but I think you've got a great foundation underway. So an, another piece of this too, so you're studying nutrition and and you are a gymnast actively competing. You mentioned last year, the season didn't go exactly the way you wanted it to. I mean, we were skipping meals. We weren't in a good mindset. Also, freshman year is just hard. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So... We worked together and you worked with Jenna all summer. Obviously, you weren't competing, but you're still practicing quite a bit. Can you share a little bit with the transformations you've experienced more from that kind of physical perspective of how fueling, how you believe that your fueling is now impacting your performance? Yes, I have noticed it drastically. So my energy when I'm doing gymnastics has increased. My endurance has increased. Mm 
which is huge for being a gymnast because we only do routines for about the longest is a minute in 20 seconds. Yeah. And I've noticed that I'm now lifting heavier in the gym because my one of my one goals is to be able to bench my body weight. And I am so close. So eating a lot more frequently, a lot more regularly has helped so much. And then also learning about the piece plates and how my meals should look has helped because then I know on my rest days, oh, I need to eat less carbs or and some more vegetables, make sure to get my protein in too. But then my heavy days, I'm like, oh, okay, we need more carbs. Let's do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you've really got that knowledge now to make your performance plates that help you feel better in the gym. Yes, absolutely. We had another interesting point in working with you where, you know, you're coming from this place of more of a restrictive mindset, skipping meals, not having enough food even around you or available, not having the mental desire to eat. And so, as you said, fueling more often was really important for you. And with that, you know, eating more carbohydrates, just eating more food in general, honestly, But we also had an interesting point in working together where I had to have a conversation with you about that it's also okay to say no to food. Yeah. And this, yeah, right? Because as I mentioned before, disordered eating, it does take on many different shapes. And so a lot of people are vocal. I don't know how I want to say this, but a lot of people can understand that restrictive mindset because there's a lot of societal influences to be that way as well. But there's also sometimes we reach a point where you're feeling pressured to eat. It could be because you're afraid of going backwards and underfueling. It could be because you're trying to satisfy me and Jenna and your meal plan and you're feeling like I have to eat all this food. It might be societal pressures of I'm at a party or I'm out to eat with my mom and my mom knows of my struggles and Truth is, I'm really not hungry right now, but she's watching me, so I'm feeling pressured. You know, like sometimes we feel pressure to eat as well. And that was something that we actually had to navigate. And there's a time and a place for it, right? Like I think last summer probably wouldn't have been the right place. Like you just needed that accountability and just say yes to food more often. But we were finally able to come to a point and have the discussion that just like, like that it's your choice, really. It is your choice to say yes to this meal or snack because you know it's going to help you feel better for practice and reach your goal of bench pressing your body weight and stay in a good mood and and all this forward momentum. But it's also your choice to say, no, I don't want to eat the chips and salsa right now because I want to have my meal and I might want dessert later. I'm craving something sweet, you know? That has definitely happened so many times throughout the past three, four months. Mm -hmm. It actually happened today. I was in the dining hall getting my lunch. I got a chicken sandwich with some carrots and grapes with some fries. And at the end of the line, there's desserts. I was like, I don't really know if I want it, but I'll take it. Mm -hmm. So I had this blueberry poke cake and I finished my meal and I'm looking at the cake and I'm like, I don't know if I truly want this. Mm -hmm. So I took two bites to decide if I wanted it and I didn't. So I just didn't eat it. Mm -hmm. And I knew that I didn't have to eat it. I already had a full lunch that fueled me perfectly for the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. And my body didn't necessarily need the extra nutrients because I've had a bunch of food to get me out of red S. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that is such a perfect example. And what I what I love about that, that I want our listeners to understand, is that you gave yourself the opportunity. You know, you didn't predetermine, oh, I can't have dessert. You didn't predetermine this lunch is definitely enough. I definitely shouldn't have dessert. You're like, maybe I will. I'm open to the idea. Let me take it. It looks good. And then you even you had a couple bites, so you didn't deprive yourself of trying it. You also didn't predetermine I'm only going to eat two bites. No, you were you stayed open the whole time. And really were tuning in to your body. You had the confidence of how you fueled. So you had that knowledge, that confidence of I did feel well, but now I'm going to be open and listen to my body, listening to how I'm feeling, fullness wise, listen to what I'm craving, listening to what's satisfying me or not. And then you had the confidence to say no as well. 
This is one of my favorite conversations to have with clients. I want you to confidently say yes to food. And I also want you to confidently say no to food if it's not good. Like, I don't want you eating bad food. I want you eating good food. I don't want you eating food when you don't enjoy it. Food should be enjoyed. It's most definitely one of the weirdest transitions I've had in this program. Yeah. But I love the flexibility, the freedom that I get. It's honestly freeing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Stemming off of that. I say the word or the phrase food freedom quite a bit, maybe to a listener who's just tuning into the podcast for the first time. How would you describe what food freedom means to you or what you've discovered? What does it mean to you now? I think food freedom means to me more just knowing that you have to eat a certain amount each meal, but also knowing that it can vary. If you want more vegetables, you can have more vegetables. If you want more carbs, go for it. More protein, let's go. Like, Mm -hmm. it's all of that. But then also, when it's time for dessert, if you want it, you have it. If you don't, you don't. And then maybe two hours later, you're you're hungry. Go get a snack. Mm -hmm. That, to me, is food freedom. It's not control. I'm not being controlled by food. I'm more leaning into my senses and learning my body cues and knowing I'm hungry. Let me go get a snack and I'll think about it. What do I want? Do I want something sweet? Do I want something salty? Do I want something cold? Mm-hmm. And I'll fully know that that's food freedom when I can choose. Yeah. I'm just like smiling ear to ear listening to you talk because you make me so happy hearing just how like where you're at right now and where you're going to be for years and years to come. But like the word that comes to my mind is options. Like you just, you're giving yourself so many options. Everything is on the table. It's now your choice instead of, yeah, I think you felt so limited before or like other people or the situation was making the choice for you. Even just going back to, you know, you feeling depressed, it was almost like depression was making the decision for you not to eat. Well, not anymore. Now the power, you're back in the driver's seat. Everything's on the table. Now it's your choice. You have the freedom to choose what, when, how much, what it, what it is. And you mentioned too, like, you know, you kind of have structure, like I'm going to eat my meal. I'm going to eat a meal because it's, it's lunch. Like I need lunch. So you have your guidelines. I like to call them. We don't like to have food rules, but we might have some guidelines. Yeah. Like, eat lunch. (laughs) That's your guideline, right? Especially as an athlete, you know, we, if we just say, oh, food freedom. So like, I don't want to eat. And then you're eating one meal a day. Like, no, you need some sort of structure because that that's not going to fuel you. That's not going to help your physical or mental health. So we have guidelines, but within those guidelines, you have so many options. And I think that's really what you found. We held you accountable to guidelines to get you back on track to fueling and nourishing your body so you felt strong and motivated. But then from there, it's options are are in your hands now. Yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna circle back. I like kind of already asked you this question. You kind of already answered, but I'm circling back to this like accountability piece. So again, a different treatment program you went to was like 35 hours a week, like lots of hands-on support there. And then coming into this program, you know, you expressed to me, I need accountability. I need to make sure that I don't just like skip meals. Well, we, you know, I'm not there with you every single meal of the day. Uh, you can reach out at any time and I respond as quickly as I can situation, but it might not be quite according to your timeline. You know, like some clients message me at 9 PM at night and I do answer. And then other clients like that night, I'm like, I'm exhausted. I'm not answering. Right. So it's, I always say like, you can always reach out at any time. It's not a 911 hotline, but like we are always wanting to be there for you. So one of the best things for you in that accountability piece was like having the modules, having something to do every day. Was there anything else that you found to be really helpful in holding you accountable throughout this program? Yes. When I had to take pictures of my meals for four consecutive days so that I could get the food analysis done, mm-hmm. that was extremely helpful because it wasn't just proving to myself that I know how much food to put on my plate. It's also proving to you and Jenna being like, you guys did a good job. You guys taught me this. Mm. You're showing off. (laughs) (laughs) It was more of accountability towards you. Yeah. But it was still on me to do it. Absolutely. Yeah. 
Yeah. The food logging, I find lots of value in it. It can be such a triggering experience for a lot of people. So you don't have to do it all the time. We encourage clients to do it for at least four days in a row, just so we've got a decent snapshot. I would hate to judge somebody's food just on one day, you know, and even four days. It's like, does that really embody your whole month? Like, no, it doesn't. But we're trying to trying to do better than one day, but not have this take up every single day for the rest of your life. So we've kind of decided four days in a row is kind of nice. And to just do that, just pop in and do that once a month at least so that we can give you that feedback and know, okay, like you are doing well. You are making your balanced plates. You are having that food freedom. You did eat the cookie. That's amazing. You know, and just to see those things and to actually analyze, like, are you getting enough vitamin D? Are you getting enough iron? And that's really helpful when we think more about that performance perspective and just internal health perspective. So. Yeah, I think the four days is amazing because it's not too long, but it's taking control of your entire week. It's not only showing little snapshot of one day. Mm -hmm. It's like a happy little medium. That's what I found. Yeah, no textbook taught me that. It's just what I like what I found works for most clients Our happy little medium that we've discovered. So amazing. So you, gosh, Camille, I feel like we have so much to talk about just in this transformation of yours and how well you did, but I want to shift into like what's next for you. So again, we're heading into sophomore year, sophomore season, and you have decided to continue working with us. Now, so many people, when they start the program and it's a 12 week program, there's, there's two kind of responses I get from potential, potential clients they're either wondering like, what the heck happens after 12 weeks? Because like, there's no way I can see that much progress in 12 weeks. Like, I don't want all help to be cut off. So what happens after? Or we have the people who are thinking, hmm, I'm going to put in, I'm going to invest time, effort, money into 12 weeks. Like, I don't want to have anything else at the end of 12 weeks. Like, I want this to work like a one and done situation. So those are the two kind of from potential clients, people want to know that after 12 weeks, they're going to be good to go, or they want to know after 12 weeks, they're still going to have support. So I'd love to hear from you. What are your reasonings for continuing to work with Rise Up Nutrition? Well, I think it was because when I went to college last year for my freshman year, I went from 35 hours of support to zero. Mm-hmm. I didn't have a therapist. I didn't have a dietitian. It was me and my roommate together. And that was it. So I don't want to redo what I did last yeah. year. Lessons learned. Exactly. Mm-hmm. That was my main reason. And also, I feel like we've created such a good connection mm-hmm. that it'd be easier to keep our dietitian relationship together and not find a new one who maybe won't understand my story as well, maybe won't find your program as helpful, might be, oh, you should have gone to inpatient treatment or something. Yeah. So it's just easier to stick with you. Continuation of care. Yeah. Exactly. And I think some of the relationships that I've also formed with the girls in the group, I wanted to keep those. I wanted to keep seeing them on the team talks. And it's just, it feels calming to see a familiar face. Thanks to Inside Tracker, I can get insights and feedback on my blood biomarkers whenever I want to. No more waiting for doctor's visits and them telling you you're fine. Instead, you are in control of your health with Inside Tracker. For 20% off any of their products, blood biomarker testing, DNA kit, inner age, head to insidetracker.com and use the code RISEUP. Take your health into your own hands. Health, wellness, and fitness coaches, listen up. Practice Better is the all-in-one platform that I use to manage my business and my clients. From client scheduling and messaging, hosting sessions, taking notes, creating modules, invoicing, telehealth, building reports, and more, Practice Better is the better way to manage your practice as a nutrition or health or fitness coach. Look no further. Use the link in our show notes and use the code Rise up 20 for 20% off your first four months plus a 14 day free trial. I've been using Practice Better since the inception of my business, Rise Up Nutrition, and I couldn't be happier. Again, the code is Rise Up 20, all caps. Use the link in our show notes for 20% off your first four months and a 14 day free trial. Let's get back to the episode. 
Absolutely. And and it sounds like too, that was something that you really benefited from last summer in the different program was the connection with other people who not only understood where you were coming from, but actively working to fix it. And that's what our group is as well. We meet once a week. It's, hey, we're all in this program. We're all actively overcoming this. And it is empowering and it is inspiring. And it is when you're having that bad week, you know, other people are there to know you're not alone in this, but we're here to help pick you up and make you feel better. Yeah. So I love that, that lessons learned. And so our, like, from my standpoint, as I'm kind of like, similarly, where I feel like, Camille, you're, you're good. You don't need us anymore, but it's, I know if you don't, (laughs) you don't need us anymore, but that, Hey, this is something that's good for me. And when you've got something good, maybe I can benefit from it a little bit longer. Yes. And that's what our alumni program is. So you spent the last 12 weeks all summer kind of intensively working with us doing modules every week, communicating with Jenna and I often having sessions multiple times a week. Now we're doing the alumni program, which means that, you know, you are mostly good on your own, but Hey, I do still want to come to the weekly group calls. I want to know that you're just a chat message away. And if I need something, I have the option to book an appointment with you, right? In our alumni program, I know you're just starting, so we're not there yet, but we're hosting a call next week. I'm about to send out the invites and like once we're done recording this, but you're going to get a little monthly topic, something new to learn. So instead of a weekly module, which you're not going to have time for anymore, you're a student athlete, right? (laughs) You've got school, but we'll have a little monthly topic. Once a month, you're going to learn something new with nutrition and have some new recipes kind of challenge yourself with throughout the month or implement into your life. And that is what I love about the alumni program is it's a little less of a need. You know, you don't need us, but it's more of a want. You got something good. Let's keep a good thing going for a while. Learn a little bit more, be engaged with the community more. And the thing with nutrition too, is you eat every single day of your life. This is something that continues, right? So your relationship with nutrition and body can morph over time. So you've done amazing, an amazing transformation, amazing progress, but you know, you might get hit mid season with extreme fatigue or, you know, issues with the dining hall. And it's like, oh, there's a big change right now. Like I need help again. And that's where you you now have your nutrition team to rely on if that happens. Yes, it is a comforting fact knowing that you and Jenna are both there and I can chat you guys and you'll respond within probably a week or so. And I won't be alone. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. So Camille, do you have... Oh, one more question. One more question. (laughs) Before I do my closing question, one more question about just gymnastics as a sport. I do think that disordered eating can happen to anybody for any reason and in any sport. I do see it often in the sport of gymnastics. And I just kind of wanted like your take on that. Actually, here's a better question to share with our audience too, is like, at what point in time, obviously you've been doing gymnastics since you were really little, at what point in time do you think that nutrition started affecting you or it becoming disordered? I think it started affecting me when I was in middle school. Long time. And I had just gotten, one of my coaches had just left and she would say that I looked like a duck or she would say that my butt was sticking out too much. And I was over here like, I'm, I'm 11, 12 years old. Yeah. I don't have a butt. So that was that. And then one of my other coaches always consistently told us to go on diets. And then my new coach made us a whole meal plan and said we should follow it. It just, it wasn't a good year for me. And it just set me up for failure, Mm -hmm. which sucks to say, but it is the truth. And I do know many of my teammates from my old gym have suffered with disordered eating and many of them still are. See, and I think this, I should have brought this up in the beginning of the podcast, but here we are now, nonetheless. This is where some sports, we do see a little bit more of it. Like it's still, I think, embedded in the gymnastics culture and in the coaching culture. You know, it is a sport where you are being judged and your posture and your poses might matter. And so many body comments are made about, you know, 
looking a certain way or don't look that way or you need to fix this to look. It's all very focused on that look, right? And just the comments received can be so critical because here we are as well in a sport where your, you know, points are taken away when something isn't perfect. Yes. So for all those reasons, it's so understandable how somebody can be so negatively impacted by these types of comments focused on body, focused on image, and in a sport that really rewards perfectionism, that this can be so common. So, you know, with that being said, you're still in the sport of gymnastics and with a different coach and different team, of course. But could you share a little bit about like your relationship with that idea of perfectionism and what that means when it comes to your relationship with body and your relationship with food? Well, I think that in the sport of gymnastics, essentially, when you get to the college level, everyone's bodies are different. So even if someone scores a perfect 10 on vault and then their teammate who might be a totally completely different size could also score another 10, they both had perfect scores, but they had different bodies, which would blow little me's mind. Mm -hmm. I'd be like, wait, you're not stick thin? Crazy to think of. Mm -hmm. But also perfectionism in the sport of gymnastics was hard, especially growing up, because you're being judged in a skin-tight Leo probably once every two weeks, and it takes a toll on the mind and body. Absolutely. I love that you just highlighted how in college gymnastics, there's a bunch of different body types. I mean, really, the reality is that across all different ages, life stages there are, but there is, it is understandable that like adolescence and youth might look a little more similar because once we, you know, hit puberty and develop into our more adult selves, that's where body shapes, you know, do kind of differentiate a little bit more so than when we're just a bunch of kids, right? And I think, like you said, little little Camille would have, you know, been blown away. I think that's great advice to give maybe to the younger gymnasts is, hey, watch college gymnastics. It's not all about who's in your private club. It's not all about who's on the Olympic stage. Look to college gymnastics because these are real women, real female athletes in tons of different body shapes and sizes, absolutely crushing this sport and looking beautiful while doing it. And I think that's really great advice to give to that young gymnast. Yeah, I wish someone would have told little me that. Yeah. It would have made a huge impact in my gymnastics career. Mm -hmm. And there's so much to be said, too, that in order to develop as a female athlete, especially in a sport like gymnastics, with so much power behind it, you need to put on muscle. You need your hormones to develop in order to keep up this sport. And there's so many injuries in the sport of gymnastics, too. That's like, if you're underfueling, you're malnourished, you're not letting your body develop, you're not strengthening your bones, you're not recovering your muscles, you're going to cut your career short. Very few gymnasts do make it to the level that you're at. And, you know, if that's something that a little gymnast is, wants to do someday is looking up to college gymnasts and saying, I want to do that someday, then you have to allow your body to change and grow and adapt. It has to step out from the, you know, 10-year-old or 14-year-old body and step into that collegiate body. Yeah, it is a little scary going from a smaller body to a more adult body. But I think your program definitely helped me more with body acceptance. I'm not fully there yet, but it's better better than me hating on my body 24-7. So that has definitely helped. Yes, there's so many different phases, you know, I want, I want, I would wish for everybody to love their body, but sometimes if you're hating on your body 24 seven, then the next goal is, Hey, can I just stop hating on it 24 seven? You know, could I maybe be okay with it half the day? And then we go from, okay, I'm more neutral about it. It's just a body, you know, and then you eventually you might find that place of like, there's a few things I like about it, which I know you're at. It's the baby steps that help. The baby steps. Yep. So, oh, there's a few things I do like about my body and we, we graduate up there. Right. And so, yeah, you're so much further along in that journey. We're so proud of your progress. Okay. So now my real final question and kind of already touched on it a little bit now, but for anybody who resonates with your story, either having gone to a treatment program, but then 
coming home and it not working anymore, not having accountability for their eating, being a gymnast, struggling with just the, the dynamics of the sport and eating and disordered eating, anybody who resonates with anything in your story at all. What advice would you give to them about the importance of overcoming their nutrition struggles? I believe I posted this in the fast track chat, but lean into the uncomfortableness because the only way to grow is to be uncomfortable. That's the main thing that I have. And also you're, you're going to change. You're going to grow. Your mindset's going to change. It's like when you go to school, you're not the same kindergarten you were from the beginning of kindergarten to the end. It's the same thing with life. You're continually going to learn. You're continually going to grow and change and make new friends, get new family. All of, all of it's going to change. And you just got to be willing and accepting to the fact that life's that way. You got to embrace the change. Because when you do, actually some good things can come out of it, right? I think everybody's scared of change thinking something bad is going to happen. But equally, something really amazing could happen. Yes. Or something just okay. You know, like that's okay too. So embracing that change, it might be uncomfortable, but it's going to happen anyways. It's necessary. It's inevitable. Exactly. Yeah. So if you embrace it, then it might. It'll make the transition go smoother. Exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Well said, Camille. Thank you so much for sharing your story. And hopefully you are inspiring other people just like you thought one day, I want to be that person. Uh, maybe you're inspiring a few others who want to be want to be like the next Camille and want to sit on the other side of this podcast recording screen that made you get emotional, didn't it? Yes, just a little. Oh, no, no, I'm going to cry. Okay. <laughs> Absolutely. Do you remember, do you, by any chance, do you remember what episodes you listened to that inspired you? I know I listened to Davin's episode and... I think Taylor too. And those two really stuck out to me. Yeah. Good. Good. And so, yes. So somebody listening to your episode, I know it, Camille, I know it. I get the emails on the other side. So people listening, if this spoke to you, send me an email so I can tell Camille how much this meant. Oh, this just made my heart so happy. (laughs) So thank you again, your story, your, first of all, what you did for yourself, most important thing, what you are now choosing to do for other people and helping other people. So appreciated. Thank you so much. I end every podcast episode with the same questions. You ready? I'm so excited. I am. If you could eat one food every single day for the rest of your life and never get sick of it, what would it be? Definitely Skittles. Ooh. They are my favorite, hands down. Any flavor. Love it. I got into Skittles um, when I was pregnant with Levi. I like suddenly got into this um, fruit fruity candy kick thing, like Skittles, Starburst peach rings. Like I never use, like, I'm usually a chocolate person. I don't really care for that. Then Skittles. I definitely ate those during pregnancy. (laughs) Okay. Sounds obvious, but needs to be asked. What is your favorite sport to participate in? Most definitely gymnastics. What's your favorite event? I only compete bars and hopefully floor this season, but my favorite is bars. The way the we could just swing around on our hands, transition from high to low and low to high. It's amazing. And it just flows together so nicely. Yeah. Love it. Oh my gosh. Sorry. I'm just like, I just had this memory of a few weeks ago. You said you got that new trick that I'm not going to remember how to pronounce. <laughs> yeah. I got my Delchev. Delchev. Yes. So that was another like exciting thing in our programming, just seeing your, you know, from just that performance standpoint, not that we get full credit for that. <laughs> you and your coaches get all, you know, the majority of the credit for that. But it was just exciting to see you progress in, in your sport, you know, landing a new move and everything. Okay. Next question. What's your favorite sport to watch as a spectator? If I'm watching it on TV, it's football. But if I'm watching it in person, it's ice hockey. Wow. Oh, interesting. Hockey is better in person. Yeah, It's hard to follow that puck on the TV. Okay. Final question. If there's a female athlete out there, you want to give a shout out to for being a role model and an inspiration, who would that be and why? This is going to sound so generic and basic, but Simone Biles. Not basic. She's amazing. She is, but I feel like everyone's going to say that. She's what, 23 now, maybe? 
and she's still training for the Olympics. She got married. I don't know how she's doing it. I'm 19 and I'm already almost burned out of gymnastics because my body's done. Yeah. I was shocked when I heard that news of her doing it again. I mean, again, it's like maybe we shouldn't have been shocked. It's Simone, but it's just, it's, you don't hear that very often. No, the five skills named after her. Crazy. Yeah. Crazy. She is the GOAT, and so you can absolutely give her a shout-out. <laughs> Amazing, Camille. Well, thank you again, and yeah, excited to keep working with you in the alumni program. Thank you, Lindsay. I'm so excited. Well, everybody, thanks for listening. I really hope you enjoyed that episode, and if you did, if you are a true fan of female athlete nutrition, then I would love if you could support our podcast by spreading the word share a review on your listening channel, give us five stars. It really helps get the word out and get the show more views to positively impact others. Also, you can support the podcast by joining our Patreon. Head to patreon.com slash female athlete nutrition to consider a donation or even better, join our membership where you get extra monthly content and perks. We don't want you to simply listen alone. We want you to be a part of a community and a movement of fierce, fit, and fueled female athletes. So patreon.com slash female athlete nutrition is where you can do exactly that. Learn more and join. A huge thanks to our affiliates and partners as well. Once again, Prevenix, Inside Tracker, Orgain, Practice Better, Jen and Carrie. Please go check them out and their links in the show notes where you can get deals and discounts. Last, be sure that you do more than just listen. If you need help with fueling, it's time to take action. Head to my website to learn more. You can either book a free call with me to learn more about our coaching programs and how we can work directly with you, whether it's the fast track or otherwise. Or you can take our online self-study course, Female Athlete Nutrition. You can literally sign up and gain access right now. You can explore our downloadable products, including the Red S Recovery Guide, High Iron Fueling Guide, or if you are a coach of a team, check out our brand new coaches toolkit for teams. You can also just learn more. We have a blog, a Red S quiz to see if Red S is affecting you. If you need help, I want you to get help fast. Too many girls and athletes struggle with nutrition, but you don't have to any longer. You can rise up with the power of nutrition, take action today in any of these avenues, and become fierce, fit, and fueled. Links in the show notes, and we'll see you next time.